You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The correct call in last night's game was to kick that field goal. Attempting to kick that potential game-winning field goal was the right call. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, and welcome back to Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I hope you all are doing well. It is raining. It is gloomy. You could probably hear the hoarseness in my voice a little bit. At the bar last night, it got it got very, very intense. It got very, very interesting. And unfortunately, I am sitting here today to tell you that the Patriots lost 19-17 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not mad about the loss. Okay, put the fact that it's Brady and the Buccaneers, Brady returning to Gillette, put that storyline aside. This game was a must-win because losing, they go to 1-3, and three, obviously, which they are now 1-3. and three. So it's like, ugh, that's a tricky, sticky situation you don't want to be in right now, especially with the schedule coming up, which is still relatively favorable. But then again, you look at the teams that you're supposed to play, and they're actually good. I mean, I, I don't want to dive into it right now. I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later because I do want to take a look ahead, obviously, for the Patriots. But like I mean, I sat here saying that the Patriots could be like eight and two, nine and one before they play the Browns in Week Ten. 
well, look at how the Panthers are playing. Look at how the Cowboys are playing. Look at how the um, what was the other team? The Chargers are playing. It's like whoa, 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 and whoa. So anyway, I, I'll get into that later. But yes, I started off this show by saying attempting what was it a fifty-six yard field goal by Nick Folk was the correct call. There was people at the bar saying, "Oh, you shouldn't." Have should have went for it why are you kicking it oh blah 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 but that's all they said that after he missed and they're just saying that in hindsight nick folk is a good actually he's a great kicker inside like 45 he's an accurate kicker i mean he just held the patriots record for most consecutive kicks at like 35 36 i believe yeah 36 because he entered with 35 and he kicked a field goal last night so that's 36 he just held the Patriots record for most consecutive kicks. So he's not a deep guy. His like career, I don't even know what his career long. It was probably when he was younger in his career. Nick Folk career long. Um longest field goal is 56. But I mean he's not known for that though. He's not known for kicking 56-yard field goals. His bread and butter is within. Like Last year, look at last year when he's with the Pats. Six for six from 20 to 29. Seven for seven from 30 to 39. 11 for 12 from 40 to 49. And two of three from 50 plus. His first year with the Pats, he only played seven games, so 2019. Uh, five for five, 20 to 29. Three for three, 30 to 39. Four to seven, 40 to 49. And one for one, 50 plus. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I mean, his bread and butter is short. Let's just pick a random year of his career. Uh, 2016 with the Jets, 12 for 13 from 20 to 29, 10 for 11 from 30 to 39, 3 for 3, 40 to 49, and then 2 for 4, 50 plus. Um, here's one, 13 for 13 in 2014 from 20 to 29, 7 for 7 from 30 to 39, 9 for 13 from 40, 49, and 3 for 6 from 50 plus. It's just like, I mean, I could do this all day with him and like, yeah, you know, three for three or two for two is nice from 50 plus, but look at the chances. I mean, he barely has any chances. It's not like teams go down and be like, oh crap, this is a 54 yarder. Let's just run the team out. Obviously there's a lot more that goes into it when you're kicking the ball from that far. I mean, if this, if that kick, if that play was like the middle of the second or third quarter, Pat's probably would have punted. In all honesty, look at the rain. Oh, you got to keep that in consideration. Look at the rain. The rain was crazy last night. It started with a soft drizzle, and then it just gradually picked up. And next thing you know, it was raining left and left and right, cats and dogs, every which way but sideways. It's just sorry. I gotta drink water. My my throat is definitely a little a little sore from last night. So please pardon myself. So it's like. You can't really blame this guy. If you put him in a dome or whatever, he maybe makes that. I'm not going to say that he does make that because, like I said, he's not a long-distance kicker. Now, if it was Quinn Nordine out there, I think the Pats might have made that, honestly. I mean, Quinn Nordine's more of a long-distance kicker, but he has less accuracy. So it's kind of like pick and choose. Now, if the Patriots go for it, if the Patriots go for that fourth and three, I would think the Buccaneers would have sent an all-out blitz. Probably would have just covered man across the top, cover zero, all-out blitz. Put the pressure under Mac Jones. 
young rookie quarterback. Make him make a play. Make one of the Patriots receivers make a play. I just I feel like if they just drop eight back into coverage, you're just allowing Mac Jones too much time. You're allowing you know the receivers too much time to get open and such like that. Maybe Mac Jones can scramble for the first down. So I honestly think a all-out zero blitz was going to come if the Patriots went for it on fourth and three. And then if they do go for it and they don't get it, then the game's just over. And at least with the field goal, you have the possibility from way out deep to take the lead. Now, obviously, Tom Brady and the Bucs would have like 40-something seconds, 50 seconds, I think it was. Uh, 53, I want to say. To march down the field and get a field goal of themselves. So it's not like, you know, this was a time-expiring decision here where you kind of have to go for it. Um, I mean, who knows? Brady could have marched the Bucks down, field goal position, then they would have won by a field goal. Stuff happens, right? But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this a, a lot, this this game a lot in today's episode. We have, obviously, the Patriots Bucks to talk about. I want to talk about NFL scores of, you know, around the league from from last uh, yesterday, Jesus. And I also want to talk about the Red Sox, obviously, in the wild card, you know, how they were able to come from behind to beat the Washington Nationals. Yankees won. Blue Jays won, so they did their job. But the Yankees also won, so they were able to stay in it. If the Yankees won, Red Sox lost, the Blue Jays won, then the Red Sox and Blue Jays would have been in a tie. And the Mariners lost, too. So that kind of... uh kept him out it was super interesting this wild card race i've never seen anything like this in the longest time and like i'll talk about it in a little bit but this wild card could have literally been a four-way tie it it absolutely could have been a four-way tie and that that's nuts that's really nice to think about anyways back to football back to football honestly this game went completely different than i thought i sat here friday i probably sat here monday and said this too this game is going to go one of two ways, and there's no in between. The Pats are either going to get a blown out 42-6, to or this game is going to be close. The start of the fourth quarter, Pats will be down by a touchdown. They'll kick a field goal, make you think that they could still win, and then lose by 18. Now, I was very wrong with my prediction, which is fine, because the outcome that we had here, I loved it. I think if you can lose to two points on a crappy weather condition shanked kick from a guy that's automatic within 50 and you just lose off of that I mean yes the record looks terrible and you, you the only team you've beaten is the Jets but I mean you gotta like this result here it is Tom Brady who's played in every weather inclement out there the Buccaneers who are probably the Super Bowl favorite with all these weapons yes Gronk wasn't out there but still it's just, you got to feel good about this game. I mean, similar to what the Cowboys felt after the game won against the Buccaneers on opening night is you have a lot of question, a lot of question marks and you go out there and you dance with the best of the best and losing off a field goal. I mean, you know, uh, Ryan Suckup misses that kick. You know, that game could be different. Nick Folk makes this kick. This game could be different. So it's like, ah, you, Mac Jones played well, too. I mean, hold on. Let me get some stats in here. Um, 31 for 40. 31 for 40. 275, two touchdowns and an interception. 
that interception was ugly. It was just – I feel like a lot of his interceptions are just ugly. It's not like he throws the ball and the receiver makes a good play. It's just like ping-pongs, ding, 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 dunk, interception. I mean, Mac Jones, his completion percentage did the math, was 0.775%. So, 78%. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, I do have to admit that Jacoby Myers was the most effective passer for the Pats last night. He went 2-for-2 at 45 yards. So, I mean, in terms of efficiency, Jacoby Myers should be the starting quarterback. I'm just playing, guys. You know you know, I like to joke around. Come on, it's a joke. It's a joke. Listen, I know there's still Cam Newton fans out there that want Cam Newton to be a starting quarterback. Who Cam wouldn't be 1-3. Cam Newton would be 3-1. and one. Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, I mean, Pats had zero, zero run game. Absolutely zero, zero, zero running game. That's a problem. That is an absolute problem. And don't tell me that James White isn't on this team. I mean, is, but he's just injured. James White's not a running – he's not a rusher. He's a running back, but he's not a rusher. He's a pass-catching running back. We all know that. He is one of the best pass catchers for a running back in this league. So do not tell me that without James White, you are not a good running team. Nelson Aguilar, one carry for four yards. Bolden, one carry for nothing. Taylor, one for nothing. But he also had that dumbass fumble. A lot of people saying that fumble is kind of – it was just true, actually, because the Pats started what, at like the 40 – 46, 44 uh, of the Buccaneers after a punt. Because I think uh, Gunnar Osleski had like a 15-yard return or whatever it was. And then you drop the ball. It's like, bro. <sighs> uh, Mac Jones, one carry, minus one. Damien Harris, four carries, minus four yards. Yeah, that's a problem. Not having a rushing game, running game is a problem. Because the Bucks are a good team. They have some holes on the defense. And I think Mac Jones and the Patriots were able to exploit those holes. I do. I do. I mean, so much was gone. Um, so much was handed around. Jacoby Myers, Bourne, Aguilar, Bolden looking like James White. That's literally Brandon James White back there. Hunter Henry, Damian Harris, John o. Smith, Nikhil Harry, JJ Taylor. That's nine different receivers that caught a ball, at least caught one ball. So the diversity and the offense through the passing game, Looks pretty good. I mean, Mac Jones thrown for 275. I think last week he threw for 270 or whatever. I mean, he hasn't had a 300 game, but the passing is is there. The passing has been consistent. I can't complain about the passing attack. And, like, entering the season, it was like, all right, Damon Harris is going to take, take that next step up. He's going to be, a, you know, maybe like a top 20, maybe top 15 running back in terms of just rushing yards and such. And then you got J.J. Taylor, a little shifty, nifty guy. Kind of reminds you of Deion Lewis. Then you also had um, uh, Stevenson, but we haven't really seen much of him. Healthy scratch for himself tonight. So it's like we got to figure something out in terms of running the ball. We got to figure something out because, like, you need to be able to have a running game to win games because having a running game opens up play action, and opening up play action allows you to take, you know, chances and catch the defense off guard because you see the play you see the quarterback go to hand the ball off defense is low-key maybe going to take a step to commit to that to stop it then you pull it out pause you pull it out and you throw a, a deep ball because the play action because maybe you caught the safety you know looking in and make taking a step whatever so just having the running game opens up the play action opens up you know 
big plays. You have four, five, six, seven, eight carries the entirety of the night. Sorry, my chair is squeaking. You have eight carries the entirety of the night. And quite frankly, that does that that's not good. That's not that's not that's not going to help you win games. Now, am I going to say that having a running game last night is going to help you win? Honestly, maybe. Honestly, maybe because you know, those short down conversions, those second and twos, those third and ones, like it opens up the running game, but if you don't have a running game, now you got to pass it. I just like okay, at the end of the day, I like how the Patriots played. They were down, they took the lead. They executed their offensive game plan, I think, very well outside of the running game. So you kind of have a little bit of a layup this coming week with the Texans. I mean, I guess you should never know, right? I want to see the Patriots ground and pound the Texans. I mean, they, they ground and pounded the Dolphins in week one. You only lost because of a fumble by Damian Harris, right? Do you bring in Stevenson? Do you give him some carries? Do you give Taylor more carries? I mean, I was sitting at the bar, bar 101, right next to the shop here in Johnson, Rhode Island. Uh, great food. Love the owners. They're, they're great guys, honestly. I mean, if you're looking for a place to either catch the game, good food, some good drinks, go to bar 101. This isn't a sponsor. This isn't a sponsored ad or anything, but literally, they're just nice guys. The, the bartenders, they're all nice. The staff is just nice. And like I said, the food is phenomenal. The drinks are delicious. So if you're ever in the area or you're looking to venture out a little bit, Bar 101, tell them that James Murphy sent you from Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. You won't regret it because the food, the drinks, I'm telling you, it's top notch. It's it's just a – it's not a chain. It's, it's a local place. So you're supporting local businesses, but you're getting a great, great experience there. You know, you go there for a big game on like a Thursday or a Friday night, maybe if you're into college. I'm telling you, you, you can't go wrong. So tell them James Murphy sent you over at Bar 101. It's literally right next to Murph's Cartown Sports Shop. So you type in Murph's Cartown Sports Shop into the GPS. You can't miss Bar 101. It's right next to it. Or just type in Bar 101. Anyways, I think... Where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, um, Brandon Bolden. I was saying at the bar last night, I'm like, oh, I do not want Brandon Bolden to be doing this. Like, he's not – he's a running back. Yes, like James White. He's a running back. Ironic, right? But he's a special teamer. Now, okay, Brandon Bolden went with the Pats basically his old career. He, like, took one year off and, like, went to Miami. And then he took last year off because of COVID. So, like – Ugh. Man, like, you know, I, I, I see the Pats running James White's plays and giving it to Brandon Bolden, which, I mean, if he's good at it, fine. But, like, he's the last person I would want him to be. I mean, I don't want to say the last person, but, like, I don't know. I I just hope you're not going to be asking too much from him now. Obviously, maybe Brandon Bolden's experience and stuff, and I guess he might just be the what you got because I don't think Bell's going to go out and trade for a running back. Can't sign Le'Veon Bell anymore. Who else is still out there? Todd Gurley. Ooh, Todd Gurley's out there. That would be interesting. Okay, hold on. Pause for a second. That would be interesting. Todd Gurley's still out there, right? And, like, the Ravens didn't sign them when uh, they were just signing anybody that's played running back before. Yeah, he's still a free, he's a free agent. He's 27 years old, guys. 
Todd Gurley is 27 years old. That's nuts. Let's okay. Three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. It's just like I don't know, man. That would be interesting because you got the rushes. I mean, obviously he's a running back, but he was a dual-threat running back too. Like his best year was 2017. He had 64 receptions. Following year, at 59 receptions. That's not bad. That's something to take into consideration. That really is. That really is something to take into consideration. I mean, probably be fairly cheap because he's a free agent. No one really wants him. And it would just give you a different element to both the running and the passing game. Let me be GM. Let me be the GM. My first order of business, bring in Todd Gurley. Now, whether you like him or you're not, whether you love him or you hate him, it just gives you another avenue of you know offense, right? You know, you could have him be in there, and then people aren't going to know if you're going to be running or passing the ball. And if he sucks, then you just cut him. Obviously, it's it's a non-guaranteed contract. Always bring him in for a workout. I think that's what we should at least do at the minimum is to bring him in for a workout because Damian Harris clearly isn't getting the job done. J.J. Taylor is not getting the job done either. Brandon Bolden, like I said, is more of a special teamer. And he's not good at running the ball, but clearly he's fairly fairly good at passing the ball. Six receptions for 51 yards. Ramondre Stevenson is a healthy scratch past two weeks now. Obviously, you would have to you know make some moves if you did want to bring someone to bring in Todd Gurley. So who who would you have to like move for that? I don't know. But hmm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Oh, man, that kick was so close. That kick was so friggin' close to winning. Now, obviously, if the kick if the kick was good, you can't sit here and say the Pats won, right? Because, like I said, the Bucks still had 50 seconds left and I think, like, two timeouts. So, like, and it's Tom Brady, right? I mean, we, all, we saw it for 20 friggin' years. Him march down the field and just win games, whether it was via a touchdown or kicking a field goal with no time left, just getting your team in position to win. Breakout player, I don't want to say a breakout player, but a star player for me in this game, I think was Jacoby Myers. We all have to agree that, let me move my chair in a little bit. I feel like I'm so far from the mic. We all have to agree that Jacoby Myers played phenomenal, right? Eight receptions, 70 yards, two pass attempts for 45 yards. Like, that just opens up the playbook even more, especially if the running game isn't working. You got to pull out some trickery, which I'm very surprised the Pats did it twice. I'm actually really astonished that they did it twice. Like once I get it, you know, once per game, usually throw the team off or whatever. You know, you might be able to squeak one by. But twice? Against the Buccaneers? In your biggest game of the regular season? Probably the biggest game of the regular season this entire season will have. Maybe one of the biggest regular season games, period, outside of obviously like a win you're in kind of game and such like that. Or like, you know, two teams going to get against each other. One loses, they're out. The other wins and they're in. You know, games like that, right? Even maybe even a game like that, this is probably still bigger. But that really threw me off. Like the first time, like, oh, yeah, this. Oh, yeah, I liked that. Yeah, yeah. And then the second time, she's like, oh, my God, we're doing it again. Ah, water is so good right now. My throat. I'm obviously going to record this podcast even with a hoarse throat. 
Like, I mean, come on, guys. What do you expect from me? What do you expect from me? So, yeah, Jacoby Myers definitely, I mean, I don't want to say play of the game because Mac Jones had a phenomenal game himself. He put the Pats almost in position to win. I mean, he at least gave them a chance. He at least put them in a, in a realistic chance to win. So I cannot complain there. But yeah, now this this you, you cannot be okay. You can be upset about being one and three after four games. That's fine. But you cannot be upset about how this game transpired, how good this team relatively played. I mean, the defense. You have to admit the defense held the Buccaneers to 19 points. Brady, no touchdowns. So like, I mean, you have to you know, respect that and be like, damn. Let's go. Let's go. And, like, Richard Sherman uh, for the Buccaneers defense had seven tackles. So, he was either making tons of plays or Brady – Brady, see, old habits die hard. Or Mac Jones, Bill, and the Patriots are just going after him because he just signed on Wednesday. And he was starting tonight because that's how depleted their secondary is. And maybe – Maybe that was just part of the game plan was just pass, 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 pass. Because the Buccaneers secondary is so depleted. But even then, you still would have think that they would have ran the ball just to, you know, kind of balance things out a little bit, keep the Buccaneers on their toes instead of just like, you know what, instead of sending four, we're just going to send three. And we'll just drop everyone else into coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got to think outside the box like that. So overall, at the end of the day, Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and one. They beat you nineteen to seventeen. Where the Patriots, your Patriots, fall to one and three. That does not look good. Do not get me wrong. I'm not going to say that it does. But how the game transpired, what happened in the game, how close you were, the circumstances of the game, and everything else considered, I feel good leaving that game. You danced with the best of the best. Yeah, you played worse against the Saints. You were able to dance. So next week against the Texans. So let's kind of pivot here and look at the schedule ahead. You have the Texans. You're going to Houston, who's a dumpster fire right now. That needs to be a dub, right? As much as yesterday's game, from a record standpoint, was it a must win? Realistically, you weren't going to win that game, right? This game coming up against the Texans, must win. One and four, season's over. Two and three, Season's probably still over since you're starting at one and three, but still gives you a little bit of juice to kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, look, at there's a ton of three three win teams. I mean, the Bills, the Raiders, Broncos are all 3-0. and uh, Raiders 3-0, and Broncos 3-1. and Bengals and Ravens are, oh, Bengals, Ravens, Browns are all 3-1. and So this, this division, I mean, this conference is going to be really tight. And really, really tough. So I mean, that's why being one and three is not ideal. You need literally need to like win the next nine of ten games, nine of ten games. Yeah, that's just kind of how it is. Cowboys the week after that in New England. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Cowboys, great team, good team at least. I don't know about great, but at least they're a good team. Could the Pats win? Yes. Should they win? Mm, I don't know. But for our sanity stake, they need to win. If that game was in Dallas, I don't think they would have as much of a shot. But if, since it's in Foxborough, I'm going to give a, give them a shot. 
And then they got the Jets after that. If the Patriots can win all three of those games, Texans, Cowboys, Jets, we're right back in it, baby. Obviously, the rest of the league, you know, is going to shape out however it may shape out, but you're going to be right back in it, baby. Four and three, you, know, you probably won't have the division in hand, but, you know, you could still flirt with, like, one of those wild card spots. I mean, it's still early in the season, right? I- I've said this before. Wait till four or five, six games for things to kind of wrinkle out. And after that Jets game, that'll be seven games, so we're going to get a really good idea of where the rest of the league is at. I mean, like I said, the um, the Bengals right now are 3-1, and one, but they could lose the next three games and be 3-4 and four and not be able to rebound. Same for the Ravens, same for the Broncos, same for the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders play tonight, so they only played three games thus far, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, Chargers, that was, those are one, that's one of the, wow, that was really bad. Hold on. They're one of those teams. There we go. They're one of those teams that I thought the Patriots should win the beginning of the season, but now you look at them and they're ahead of their, um, oh, they're two and one, but they play tonight against the Raiders. So, I mean, they win, Raiders lose. Now everyone's three and one in that division, but the Chiefs. So it's like. Raiders are sneaky good this year. I mean, they just beat the – I'm sorry. The Chargers are sneaky good this year. They just beat the Chiefs two weeks ago. So that game made maybe look like a layup at the beginning of the year. Not so much anymore. Same with the Panthers, bro. Same thing with the Panthers. Like I said this past um, – on th- Friday's episode, I was like, we're going to uh, be able to tell a lot about the Panthers this game that they played against the Cowboys, and they, they did fairly well against them. I mean, they lost. They're 3-1 and one now, but, I mean, still, they're 3-1, and one, and, like, they were able to play good football against the um, the Cowboys. Why am I blanking on the Cowboys? Yeah, 36-28 to 28 they lost. That's a one-possession game right there. So, I mean, the, a team like the Panthers are even better than we expected. And then, you know, obviously I don't want to look too far in advance to the schedule, but let's just try to keep it within, you know, October, maybe that first week of November. So, okay, you have the Texans next Sunday. Next, uh, the week after that on the 17th, you have the Cowboys, the Jets on the 24th, the Chargers on Halloween. Ooh, Halloween. Ooh, I wonder if the Chargers are going to be spooky. And then you have the Panthers on November 7th. That's one, two, three, four, five games. I don't think they're going to win all five games, I'll be honest with you. But if they can win four or five and get back to 500, right? Because that would be five and five. Yeah, that will be five and – no. That will be five and four. Ooh. If you can go five and four – well, win four or five, become five and four – Entering November, or I guess I should say into November after that Panthers game, going into the Browns game. I don't know. I don't know. I It might be a little too late, but it's all going to start with Sunday. It's all going to start with the Texans and how you're able to play against them because they are a dog shit team and you should be able to beat them. And we all, and the Jets, the same thing two weeks from now. Same thing with the Jets. And we thought the Chargers and Panthers are going to be layups as well. That's why I said the Patriots could easily be 8-9-1 entering that Browns game. But who knows these days? Who knows these days? But anyways, anyways, anyways. Patriots, 1-3. and three, Tough spot to be in. Season's not over. But they need to turn it around ASAP. And it's going to start with the October 10th, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Patriots down in Houston to play against the Texans. 
That's where the season actually starts for them. That game. Season opener. Houston Texans. Um, before I kind of transition over to baseball, actually, no, I got to go over the scores real quick of, of the league and just kind of just briefly touch about them. But anything else I want to talk about the Pats real quick? Um, don't think so. I'll, I'll think of something like, you know, after I upload this or after I upload this podcast episode, I, that's going to happen. Watch. Um, if I think of anything, I guess I'll kind of interject, but. I don't. I can't think of anything right now. So let's kind of run over the scores real quick. Um, we obviously already knew Bengals beat the Jaguars 24-21. That was on Thursday night football. The Jets beat the Titans 27-24 in overtime. Unfreaking believable game. Kim picked the Titans to win in Survival League. Hate to see it. Absolutely hate to see it. But I mean, Jets finally get a win. That doesn't look good for the Titans. I mean, they could have. They could have jumped to uh, where are the Titans. They could have jumped to three and one, taking a clear, clear advantage in that AFC South. But instead, they're two and two, only a game up on the Texans, only a game up on the Colts, who are both playing like ass. But hey, Colts won, right? I'll get into that in a second. Bears beat the Lions twenty-four to fourteen. Justin Fields gets his first NFL win. Colts beat the Dolphins twenty-seven seventeen. Browns beat the Vikings 14-7 in a snooze fest. Washington football team beat the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, 34-30 in an excellent game where the Fal- uh, the football team comes from behind. Bills shut out the Texans 40-0. Hopefully it's the same thing for the Pats next week. Giants beat the Saints 27-21 in overtime. Danny Dimes, man. Dan Jones, Daniel Jones just leads the Giants in like the late third quarter, all of the fourth quarter, and into overtime to a dub. He was like, Saquon, get on my back. John Ross, I know you're new, but giddy up. Kenny Galladay, yeehaw. And he just took the whole team and won. Unbelievable. Chiefs beat the Eagles 42-30. to That was a close game throughout. I mean, I guess 12-point game is still relatively close. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Chiefs got the dub. Cowboys beat the Panthers 36-28 in a great game there. Seahawks beat the 49ers 28-21. Rams got upset by the Cardinals 37 to 20. Rams after a big win against the Buccaneers last week they're able to, they're unable to capitalize and the Cardinals move to 4 and 0 on the year take control of the um the NFC West. Can I get standings please? Standings NFC. Yep, clear clear cut because Rams are 3 and 1, Seahawks and 49ers are both 2 and 2. Interesting, interesting time in the NFC West. I'd probably say the 49ers, uh, not the 49ers, the Cardinals were the last team people thought would be leading the division four games into the season. I said at the beginning of the year, listen, three teams from the NFC West could make the playoffs. And I wouldn't have been surprised if the Cardinals were one of them, but I just think with how good the Rams are, how good the Seahawks are, and a lot the the 49ers are still fairly a good team. You just didn't really expect the Cardinals to do it. But, hey, man, they're 4-0 right now. They're, they're cooking with grease. So, I mean, all the power to them. You know, they have a, gr- a lot of great young youth talent on that team infused with veteran leadership. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, who they brought in, A.J. Green, who they just brought in as well. So, that team, don't sleep on the Cardinals, man. Do not sleep on the Cardinals this year. Packers defeated the Steelers 27-17. Pa- Packers looking as good as ever. I mean, that one 
loss against the Saints at the beginning of the year basically seems like a mulligan, uh, an outlier per se. Steelers, they're cooked. They're done. Ravens beat the Broncos 23-7. to Very disappointed in the Broncos. I was hoping that they would play a little bit better and kind of make a name for themselves as they too – were they undefeated? They were undefeated going into that game, but now they're 3-1, and one, so they kind of slipped up a little bit there. I mean, if they lost 23-17, to like 17, that's, at least it's like you know a closer game and you can feel good about the Broncos. But, I mean, getting torched 23-7, to seven, it's hard to feel good about it. Buccaneers beat the Patriots 19-17, like I've already mentioned. And then, obviously, the Raiders visit the Los Angeles Chargers for Monday Night Football tonight. My prediction, I believe I picked the Ch- Chargers to win. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if any team wins. Either team wouldn't be surprised. But I think money on the line. I think I'm picking Chargers in this game. So yeah. So that is going to do it for my football segment today on a Monday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I still haven't thought about that other Patriots topic that I think I wanted to talk about. So if I think about it, I will definitely uh, interject while I'm talking about the Red Sox and baseball in general. But let's talk about the Red Sox, shall we? All right, raise your hand if you thought the Red Sox were going to sweep the Nationals. Couple people, few people. Okay. I didn't think they were going to. I they needed to. I wanted them to. They should have. I honestly didn't think they were going to. Nope, nope, did not think they were going to. And they won the first two games. Hold on, let me get the Red Sox. Um, let me get the Red Sox schedule up. Red Sox schedule ah schedule there we go so i can uh just recap the other scores real quick um so yeah they beat the nationals four to two on friday five to three on saturday and then yesterday seven to five i mean winning the first two games obviously a must obviously a must and then this last game i come from behind win nuts bro absolutely nuts i mean they were down Five to one entering the top of the sixth. Five to one. Might as well call it a year. Well, I don't want to say call it a year, but you'd be playing the Toronto Blue Jays in a playing game. Then they score one run in the sixth. Three runs in the seventh to tie the game. In the ex- yeah, yeah, to tie the game. And then Raphael Devers hits a two-run bomb to take the lead in the top of the ninth, and the Red Sox win. Oh my god, it was a fantastic game. Honestly, this game was much better than a lot of football games. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. Hitting-wise, he only got 13 hits with 7 runs, but the team was on the back of Rafael Devers, let me tell you. 4 for 5, 3 runs, 4 RBIs, obviously the 2 home runs he had. Nuts. Absolutely nuts, that game. Everybody and their mom was pitching. Chris Sale started, didn't do all too hot. Um, Sawamora pitched, Garrett Richards pitched, Martin Perez, Garrett Whitlock, Eduardo Rodriguez was even pitching, and Nick Pavetta. Like, literally every friggin' buddy was pitching. Like, okay, Chris Sale started. There's one starter. Richards and Perez used to be starters. Eduardo Rodriguez is a starter, and Nick Pavetta, who closed it out, is a starter. So they had five starting pitchers pitch in this game. Alex Cora made this game a playoff game. He made this game a playoff game because essentially it was. I mean, you're down 5-1 to one in a must-win game. Otherwise, you have to play the Blue Jays in a play-in game, and anything could happen in said play-in game just to get into the wild-card game, right? And then the next thing you know, you tie it up, and it's like, do you trust the bullpen? 
do you trust this bullpen? And it's like a yes and a no, leaning to no. But if you can get one, two fire innings from Eduardo Rodriguez and Nick Pavetta, you can't complain. You just cannot complain there. So we have, oh my goodness, absolutely nuts. The starting pitchers have been announced for tomorrow's game. Yankees visiting the Red Sox for a one-game wild card game. And that is um, Garrett Cole for the Yankees, obviously. And Nathan Ivaldi for the Red Sox. Honestly, though, they might just say, Eduardo Rodriguez, you're not pitching today because we're going to potentially save you for a game one of the wild card of the divisional series if we get there. Everyone else is on the table. Chris Sale's coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Nick Pavetta probably will come back out of the bullpen. I mean, come the playoffs, everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. Everyone's available, whether you're a hitter, a fielder, a pitcher, a catcher, uh, a, a base runner. You will be utilized for whatever reason, whatever means necessary. Because come the playoffs, it's just so – it's a different animal. That's why I love playoff baseball is because every game is essentially treated like a game seven. At least that's how the Red Sox treat in Alex Cora. That's how he manages like it's game friggin' seven. And that's the right way to do it. I mean, years past, let's see. I don't know. I mean, when the one-game wildcard game got first introduced – it was probably like, oh, yeah, we'll save one pitcher, maybe two pitchers for you know the upcoming series if we get there. And like we'll have our starter go. But then they're also going to have the relievers go. But if your other starters that aren't being saved or reserved for the upcoming series is better than your relievers, pitch them. Pitch them. This is a one-game plan. It's not a best two of three, not a best three of five, or a four of seven. Everything matters. Every pitch, every hit, every ball, every strike. Every run, it all matters. Let alone, let friggin' alone, it's against the New York Yankees out of all teams. This is a must, must win. I do hate how the American League wildcard game is Tuesday and the National League wildcard is Wednesday. I do wish they would have it on the same day, to be honest. I think that'd be a little bit better. I mean, I know they're trying to milk it out and drag it out. But, I mean, look at football. Yeah, they have, you know, playoff Saturday and such like that. I get it. But, like, that's three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. And then when you get to championship Sunday, it's one game in the afternoon and then one game in the evening. Like, I mean, I guess people can sit and watch a baseball game for eight hours consecutively, regardless if it's a one-game plan. But I don't know. Imagine having, like, I, I love when the Patriots were in the AFC Championship game every friggin' year for a decade. It was so fun, especially when the, the NFC went first. So it's like, all right, cool, the Seahawks won. Like, all right, now we have something to look forward to. Let's win this game and let's go play the Seahawks. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when the AFC went first, it's like super stressful because obviously you don't know who to pl- who you're playing, which might be a better mindset to have. And then say the Patriots win, then you watch the NFC game, and it's like, all right, you know, let's, you know, who do we want to play? Who do we want to play? Who's going to play? You know, oh, Seahawks are winning. It's look like we're going to be playing the Seahawks this year. So, I mean, I know it's the uh, the American League and the National League, so it's, it doesn't really matter. It's not like 
you know, the winner of these two games is going to play each other, right? I mean, I guess that would be the case if there was a playing game. But that playing game probably would have been today, I would imagine. That playing that game one sixty three between the the say the Red Sox and the the Blue Jays would have been today. Well, actually, because the Blue Jays won, right? Yeah, the Blue Jays won. So the Yankees lost. It would be the Yankees and Blue Jays. And if the Red Sox also lost, then it would have been a three-way tie. So there was so many different routes and avenues for this wild card matchup. Holy smokes. Well, real quick, since I'm looking at it, Tampa Bay, the one seed in the American League, will play the winner of the wild card game, whether it is the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox. That series will start on October 7th. And then we also have the Houston Astros playing uh, the Chicago White Sox. That series also starts on October 7th. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting, interesting few days, short few days, honestly. And then in the National League, we have the San Francisco Giants winning 107 freaking games out of nowhere. They will play the winner of the National League wildcard series, whether it is the Los Angeles Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Can we just recognize the fact that the Cardinals are 90 and 72? Won the wild card, the second wild card spot by seven games. And they also went on a 16 game winning streak. And they still only won 90 games. Like they were out of the playoff picture for some time. And they just go on to win it and win it and win it and win it. And next thing you know, they took a huge commanding lead for that second wild card spot. I mean, the first wild card spot has been gone. I've already talked about that a million times. Dodgers, 106 wins, 16 games up on the Cardinals for the one seed in the well, I guess the the first wild card spot, right? But Milwaukee Brewers, Atlanta Braves, National League Series starts on October 8th. So the American League will go first, and the National League will go second in terms of games being played what am i looking forward to well i guess i gotta kind of skip the tampa bay rays and the san francisco giants because i don't know who they're going to be playing i think the astros will win their series against the white Sox, but i'd rather the white Sox win i'm just sick and tired of seeing the astros in the american league championship series in the world series i'm just sick of it give it to the white Sox. they sucked for you know handful of seasons they get some young guys they make some trades they make some signings now now they're now they're really good i mean they won the american league central so they have to be good right so that's kind of where i want that series to go i want the white Sox to win um obviously i want the red Sox to beat the yankees duh right uh brewers braves i want the braves to win i think the brewers are a wagon but i like the atlanta braves obviously they have roots to boston they have ronald acuna jr although he's not playing he's still one of my favorite players in the league uh jock peterson who i used to love when he's with the dodgers years ago i mean i think the braves low i don't want to say a cinderella story because they have a lot of great talent but i mean they were out of the playoff picture in the division i mean this is the only way they were going to get in is obviously they won the division but i mean it was like the Mets for the longest time. I saw a stat, right? It was like the Mets are the not not the first team, but like the Mets did not make the playoffs for holding the division lead for the longest 
amount of time. It was like a hundred and something games, hundred and five games or whatever that they held first place and not make it to the playoffs. Crazy stat. I mean, they were. I mean, that NL East was tight for a long period of time. I mean, after the trade deadline, the both the the Marlins and the Nationals were like long shots, but they were like nine, ten games out. Still fairly close. I mean, look at the Cardinals. They won 16 in a row. Imagine if the Nationals and the Marlins won 16 in a row. Like, I mean, are you talking about something different? Let's see. The Nationals won 65 games this year. I mean, I'm sure that they packed it in like five weeks ago. Like, all right, let's just get a good draft pick, right? But say they won 16 games, 16 extra games. Now that's 81 wins. And the Braves only won 88 and won the division. So that's a seven-game difference. Just, like, keep that in mind. Like, obviously, it doesn't really matter. But, like, a 16-game winning streak for any team is going to vault almost any team into playoff contention uh, except the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Baltimore Orioles because those teams are just pathetic. But, yeah, I want the Dodgers to win against the Cardinals. I like the Dodgers. I'm a big Dodgers fan. Before they got good, before they were a wagon. Listen, people don't know this, but when Nomar Garcia Parra signed with the Dodgers for the 2006 season, right? Yeah, that's when I became a Dodgers fan because Nomar was my favorite player at the time. I named my dog after him. So I was like, listen, I need a second team, preferably one in the National League. Boom, Dodgers. I did, like, a book report on, like, Dodger Stadium and such like that. And, like, it was super awesome. So I'm not a bandwagon. I've been rooting for this team from afar for 15 years. All right? And, like, they weren't always really good. Like, they've been great as of late winning the National League West, what, past 10 years or whatever. So you can't call me a bandwagon. I have a legitimate reason, and I am, like, grandfathered in to root for this team. That's just how it is. Like, I don't show my support all too often for this team. I'm, like, I have, like, one Dodgers t-shirt, and that's, like, a faded Jock Peterson shirt because, like I said, I was a fan of him years ago. But, like, yeah. Okay, when the Dodgers won the World Series last year, I was hyped. When the Dodgers lost to the Red Sox in the World Series, I didn't really care that they lost. Obviously, I wanted the Red Sox to win because the Red Sox, at the end of the day, are my tried and true. So, do not call me a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon for this team. I been loving them for 15 years so ha 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 but yes that is my little quick uh wraparound of the both american league and the national league wild card and first round i guess obviously come friday i'll have a better idea of what the divisionals going to look like for both the tampa bay rays in the american league and then the san francisco giants in the national league yeah um a couple games will be played by then so i guess my predictions won't really matter by then because the Rays could be up 2-0 on the Red Sox and I could be like, go Red Sox! Go Red Sox! Right? But okay, let's just make it now. So I'm predicting and I want the Red Sox to beat the Yankees. So that puts the Red Sox against the Tampa Bay Rays. That's going to be a good series. Like, let's just be honest. That would be a really good series. Um, I think the Rays would win. I do. Obviously, like, I think the Red Sox lineup is technically better but the Rays lineup perf- you know has better I don't want to say production but they play small ball like they're good they like you know they'll hit a single they'll bunt fly ball and then base hit to score a run Red Sox just hit freaking home runs and like I don't know 
That that's a tough one, all right. Look at that. See, like I'm stumped on like, oh god. If the Red Sox are gonna win, it's gonna it's going to be because the pitching staff wins. Because this pitching staff is probably gonna be a question mark throughout the whole playoffs. No matter how far they go, it's going to be a question mark. And I think the pitching staff will have to win them that series. I'm picking the Dodgers to win against the Cardinals. So the Dodgers theoretically would go against the San Francisco Giants in the National League uh, divisional. Those two teams, they're like so good. They're so friggin' good. Both of them. I mean, 107, 106 wins. Like, my God. Chill. Um. Um. I just think at the end of the day, the Dodgers are built for October. I think they have way too much superstar power to lose. Watch me saying that. They're going to lose to the Cardinals in the wild card game, right? But I just think. I just, I mean, the Giants are a nice story. They really are. You know, they got some young guys. They signed some veterans. They obviously traded for Chris Bryant. But I just, I don't know in a, in a series they can dance with the Gi- the Dodgers like that. Like in a five, best of five series. Like if this was best of seven, I think the Dodgers would wear them down. Because like I said, they're built for October. But if it's a best of five, that's not as bad. It's only one more game. It's only one extra game compared to like a you know a four game series. I'm gonna pick the Dodgers, not because I'm a band. I'm not a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon. <laughs> Guys are convincing me that I'm a bandwagon and I'm not. But uh, Dodgers, I think, like I said, I just think they have way too much star pa- talent, superstar power up their ass. San Francisco Giants might be a year too early, or maybe they were just one giant Cinderella story. Who knows? But. That's going to be my prediction for that series is Dodgers over the Giants. I'm not going to get into the ALCS or the NLCS because we're way too way too early for that. But that's going to do it for today's episode, honestly. I still wasn't able to think about that other Patriots topic. that uh, Not topic, but just thing I wanted to say about them. But yes, like I said, that will wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me in episode 93. I, I don't know why I always forget what episode I'm on. Yeah, 93. Episode 93. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying as every single one of you is really appreciative of the support for not just the podcast, but also the card shop, Murph's Card Town Sports Shop in general. But that is going to do it for today's episode. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything of the like, please make sure you reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, does not matter. Reach out to me, Murph's Card Town. And if you are listening to this on YouTube, just quickly scroll down to the comments section below this video and type your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be down there. And also while you're down there, if you don't mind liking this video, if you enjoyed today's episode, and also please consider subscribing if you're new or haven't considered subscribing yet to the channel as we have officially reached 50 subscribers and that is an awesome milestone. I made an Instagram post and I I mentioned it on social media how like, listen, in the grand scheme of things, 50 subscribers is really nothing, right? You see YouTubers with millions upon millions and millions of subs. But honestly, 50 subscribers, having 50 people subscribe to my channel makes me feel like I have millions and millions of subscribers. Like that's truly humbling. That's freaking awesome to just have like 50 subs. And, like, obviously, I can't wait to see 100 and then the 200 and whatnot. 
But right now, I'm going to stay humble and appreciative of the support that I've been given so far and just be blessed to see 50 subscribers. I mean, come on. You guys know how humble I am. I've, I've said it so many times about the podcast and recently about the shop. You guys know that I'm humble. You guys know that I appreciate the support from every single one of you. So it, it, having 50 subscribers is freaking awesome. And with that being said, I definitely want to do more on the YouTube channel, have a more variety of content, obviously outside of just the podcast episodes on Monday and Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe on Saturdays, have some quirky videos. Right now I'm uploading my St. Martin vlogs from Kim and I's honeymoon. So that's going on right now. But after that, I definitely want to get more intricate things out there on the YouTube channel and just help grow the channel way more because obviously being a, a small business and a obviously a small youtuber you gotta be open to new ideas and that's i absolutely am but i can't get too ahead of myself because 50 subscribers huge milestone so thank you everybody for downloading listening enjoying and also subscribing as well before i do go real quick i do want to make a quick announcement that monday is christopher columbus day or indigenous people's day uh, the shop's closed because it's one of the major holidays, so I will not be recording Murph's Boston Sports Talk. That would be episode 95. I won't be recording that episode that day. So instead, it will be on Tuesday that I'll be recording, uploading, and publishing episode 95. It will be on Tuesday next week instead of Monday because the shop will be closed, so I won't have access to the studio. So I'll mention that announcement again on Friday's episode as well. But listen, 93 and then obviously, you know, Friday's 94, Tuesday will be 95. We're almost at 100 episodes. That's nuts. I used to do three episodes a week, and then I chopped it down to two. We're almost at a, we're almost at 100 uh, episodes. That's crazy. I cannot wait. I definitely want to do something big and special for 100. I have no idea what I'll do, but I definitely want to do something freaking awesome. But yes, folks, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much again and again and again for downloading, listening, and enjoying. And thank you so much for liking, commenting, and subscribing to the YouTube channel as well. I cannot wait to sit here on Friday and hopefully talk about Red Sox versus Rays. Obviously, given the fact that I'm hoping that they win against the Yankees tomorrow night. Also, we're going to talk more about the Patriots and their upcoming series against the Houston uh, series. <laughs> their upcoming game against the Houston Texans as well. So there's going to be a lot to talk about on Friday. We're going to talk about the NFL, obviously, Thursday Night Football, Patriots-Texans, Red Sox-Yankees, hopefully Red Sox-Rays, Major League Baseball's wildcard series and divisional series up to that point. Friday's episode is going to be massive, so do not miss it. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and you know that I will always, 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 you know that I will always, always, you know that I will always see you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.